This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Friday afternoon. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you. A very big show coming up. Lots of Jets talk. Lots of Jets and Maple Leafs talk coming off last night's game. Looking ahead to tomorrow's rematch. And man, do we have a couple great guests to finish off the week to talk about those Winnipeg Jets and Toronto Maple Leafs. Voice of the Jets, our good friend Dennis Bayak makes his first appearance on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily coming up in about 10 minutes. And a little later on, we will have the co-host of Sportsnet's Hockey Central, Justin Bourne, joining us to talk about last night's game and more from the National Hockey League. Of course, as always, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily brought to you by our good friends and loyal sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Country Club, Cool Bet Canada, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Oh, we've got a lot to get to, so let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus from the Winnipeg Sports Talk Command Center. Remo, what's good? How are you, my friend? Uh, so I'm uh, trying to keep track of all the stuff coming out of Jets. Uh, what is it? Jets uh, Media today, what, whatever they're doing. So uh, lots going on. Uh, Hellbuck has some good quotes, got some good videos. We are excited for that. Uh, we certainly are. And as disappointing as the game was last night... I have to say, as someone that's been following and covering this team for a long time, the post game was memorable. I, and I would love to hear, and we're going to hear some quotes from Coach Paul Maurice, uh, from last night's game. I, I listened to it and then I went back and listened to it again. And I realized that the body of work is elite over the course of the last eight years, but that to me, I think that might have been a top ten Paul Maurice press conference in Winnipeg, Remus. I mean, there were there were, I and mean, we're going to get to it in a minute. Um, you know, he was angry, I think, about a number of things, and um, you know, in some ways, didn't want to go to certain places, but in others, did. And um, well, as always with Coach Paul Maurice, win or lose, sometimes you get some real gold in front of the microphone, and uh, we certainly had that last night. Hellebuck, hey, he didn't have a great game. And it's very interesting. Um, you know, Mike McIntyre was just tweeting this out. And we're going to hear the coach's comments from last night. We didn't hear Hellebuck after the game. But he's apparently spoken in just the last sort of few, few minutes. And uh, I'll just read these tweets from Mike McIntyre. Goalie Connor Hellebuck and getting the hook last night after giving up three goals on six shots in 11.59. It's a 3-2 game. I don't think I should have been pulled. That's as far as I'll go on that. And yeah. then, and yeah, then well, let me just pop in here. I uh, was I was muted, so I got to tell my whole joke again from before. Uh, <laughs> all I was saying was that it seemed like David Riddich uh, put on a Jets jersey and walked across the hall and uh, you know stepped in net for the Jets last night. <laughs> and I went, whoa, whoa, whoa! How dare now, you besmirch our Vesna Trophy winning goaltender like that, Michael Remus? Yeah, that was that was the line. And then I was just saying how um, it seemed like, you know, uh, the Jets got back from uh, what? You know, they got back from the road trip and they lost. And then this time they, you know, that was the excuse. And then this time was, oh, well, they had four days off. And then, they, you know, it came out flat. But again, it may have been just the goaltending the rest of the game. I'll say uh, this. It wasn't bad. I'll, I'll say this. It was Wheeler's final answer who sort yeah. of said, well, you know, we had four days off. Um Listen, it's not a good look. I, I will admit that right off the bat. But upon further review, uh, 
despite the fact that when I first heard it, I'm like, oh, man, really? Um, I, listen, we all know what happened last night. The Jets got off to a rough start, and Connor Hellebuck was not Connor Hellebuck, and, you know, that was... That was in a lot of ways sort of the game. And then they were chasing it for the rest of the way, even though they did get back to 2-2. So I think he was covering up for their MVP. So I'm going to give – that's just a, that's get a pass. Um, but needless to say, you know, you, you, I, like I was disappointed in the first period, Remus, and I said this yesterday. I thought that with a couple days of good practice, with a little bit of rest, and maybe most importantly the return of Blake Wheeler to the lineup – I really thought the Jets would be all over, all over Toronto. But again, when the first couple shots go in the net, um, that does sort of change the uh, change the game, and uh, it did last night. So, um, you know, it, it was a tough loss. I, I really like the way the Jets battled back, though, in the game. I mean, you know, when you look at it, I mean, I thought the Jets, you know, played. They were right there with Toronto last night. I mean, you know, again, I think Connor Hellebuck had a rough first period. That was a big part of it. Although I will say this, credit to Loren Brossois. Um, he certainly came in and, you know, did a pretty darn good job. The tough goal, he probably would have liked to have maybe been positioned a little bit better for that Mitch Marner shot. But the Marner shot, the puck was bouncing. He got it in sort of a strange way, and it went right up into that top corner. Um, certainly, Brassois was not the reason why the Jets lost the game last night. Um, that being said, come Saturday, I think we will expect a much better First period from the Winnipeg Jets, and I think that would go a long way. Not to mention their goaltender mixing in a few saves uh, early on in the hockey game. I would, I would hope so. Uh, uh, I, you know what? I think some people in chat are saying Hellbuck earned the benefit of the doubt. Um, Maurice said he was trying to get some momentum. We can play the clip after. But personally, sometimes you know you have it, sometimes you don't. It was clear after three goals on sh- six shots, Connor Hellbuck didn't have it last night. And it doesn't change what I think about him. It doesn't take away his Vesna trophy. I mean, the the Matthews one, maybe you could argue, yeah, this is Austin Matthews. He's the leading scorer. You know, he can score from anywhere. But uh, we those are saves that Hellbuck usually makes. And uh, you know what? I I agree with the poll. Sometimes you gotta you gotta do it. Well, you know what? As I said, Connor Hellebuck not agreeing with it. Um, he said it's a three-two game. I don't think I should have been pulled. That's as far as I'll go on that. Um, then also said. Um, he said more from this is Mike Mike McIntyre's tweets more from a fired up Connor Hellebuck bristling at the early yank from coach Paul Maurice last night. I'm not going to lie and say I had A plus material, but I thought the game I had was good enough to win. Uh, and then Mike adds, I don't take this at all. This kind of sign Connor Hellebuck slamming Paul Maurice for pulling him. It's just who Hellebuck is. It's how his mind is wired and what makes him such a fierce competitor. Got nothing it's on Lowry. The refs already. And uh, you know what, Reem? Um, in a lot of ways, this is exactly who Connor Hellebuck is. And we've already sort of joked that even on ter- you know games where he hasn't been good, he'll say things like, I like my game. I'm right there. And you know what? Whatever works. Um, guys are not going to be perfect every single game of the regular season. It was a disappointing start. I have no doubt he'll be better tomorrow. I would imagine he'll be the Winnipeg Jets starting goaltender. Um, and to the point of what Hellebuck was saying, then this went back to the coach. Um, and Maurice said he loves the attitude of Connor Hellebuck, clearly angered about getting pulled. And he, in his mind, he's going to stop the next 75 shots he faces. Um, 
and listen, the resiliency and the ability to bounce back from difficult outings has been a calling card of Connor Hellebuck over the last little while and a big reason why the Jets are where they are and they have enjoyed the success that they've had while he has been the goaltender for the Winnipeg Jets. Hellebuck, he's never come out and said, you know, I had a bad game. He does, you know, we joke that he lived in some kind of uh, alternate reality. Um, look, you like to have that confidence. And, you know, he's confident in his own game. He always, you know, probably said he liked his game, just needed to work on a couple details, and that's what he says. So, uh, again, I, he wasn't great yesterday, and I think he would admit that, said he didn't have his A game, I mean, good enough to win. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not so sure, you know, based on three goals on six shots, but look, the Jets were down, <laughs> give them credit, they came back and tied the game, uh, they definitely, you know, 2-0, he thought, okay, maybe, uh, this isn't going so well, but, they were definitely in it, but, I mean, in the end, uh, Toronto's had some good talent, and they were able to come out on top. Hey, shout out to GoPro Trucker Manitoba, who just dropped into the Super Chat. GoPro Trucker says, it's Friday. How about some positivity? Let's forget about the Leafs. It's time to focus on the Oilers in the first round. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I will say this. You want some positivity? Uh, I can't wait for the game tomorrow night. And I'll tell you what, the Jets can win that game tomorrow night in regulation, there's still enough track left. Of course, that final game of the regular season between these two clubs. I mean, that was the Leafs' first win in six games. It's not like they're on a big run right now. So I think the Leafs, this is a three-way race right now. Three-way race. <clears throat> Last night's game certainly does not mean that the Winnipeg Jets are um, no longer in the conversation for first place. However, GoPro Trucker, and thanks again for the super chat. I will say the most likely outcome is a first-round matchup against the Edmonton Oilers, and I think we can all get into that. We'll be talking a lot about the Oilers next week when the Jets and Edmonton play two more times, but the focus for today is going to be um, the rematch tomorrow night. Now, Remo, one of the other unfortunate things that happened in last night's game, and another part of the reason why I think Paul Maurice was so choked after the game, was a high hit on Adam Lowry, which knocked him out of the game. Uh, we're hearing reports that he was not on the ice today. We'll wait for an update on Adam Lowry. Um, but let, let's hear this clip. This is Maurice from the post game last night t- talking about the Lowry hit. Made their decision on that hit, so what I got to say doesn't mean anything. Sorry, Paul, not to belabor it, but just can you expand on that a bit? Like, did. Did they miss what happened, or did they see it but determine that they didn't think it was a foul? I wouldn't get an explanation for that. I didn't get any explanation. So there you go. Nothing uh, to the coach on that. No penalty on it. And, um, and you know, I saw Jeff in the chat mentioning, yeah, the Hort- Thornton hit as well on Matthew Perot, which sent him to the dressing room. He got like a $3,000 fine today. So uh, the old uh, slap on the wrist. The guys made like a hundred. Over a hundred million all time, I think, in the National Hockey League. Something tells me three K is not really going to change it. Jet Oil, Tom. Hey, super chat. Hey, Reem. Don't worry, you're the man. You don't need to See? do a, a super chat because that, but yeah. it is. People are supporting but... you. People are definitely supporting. Um, you. Um, let's get to before we bring Dennis back in though. Let's get to a few of these other Maurice clips because there was some serious gold from the coach last night. Um, second clip we want to play was the start last night. And uh, what happened uh, early in the first period that sort of got them behind the eight ball? I don't know. It's 2-2. You know, I mean, it's uh, – they didn't run all over us. So they got two pucks to the net that we didn't like. I don't – we didn't – certainly we were better than they were, but I don't know how much better they were than us. It was too, too early enough in that game. 
This was vintage Maurice in that he, everyone knew what happened. I mean, Connor Hell, and listen, he did sort of mention that he didn't like the first couple goals and he was trying to change momentum a little later on. Um, but, you know, as tough as the start was, it was 2-2 a little bit later on and the coach sort of focused in on that. Um, but listen, uh, before we, before we get to, uh, Dennis, this was the line and this, um, I have to say, and this is why this was maybe the money line of the entire presser, and why I think this may very well have been a top ten Maurice presser with the Winnipeg Jets. Jason Bell asked him, going back to the Lowry hit, which Maurice was obviously quite angry about. Um, you know, the Jets were chasing the game; they're trying to win. There wasn't any quote unquote response. There was no one running around doing it. And Jay Bell asked about this and uh, got. An incredible line from Maurice coming back. You wonder if, if some people will wonder, should there be a response when there's, when there's a perceived high hit? As a coach, do you, do you like the fact that maybe in a tight hockey game there wasn't, or is it, how do, how do you kind of balance the, uh, the approach there with your hockey team? If you circle a guy's name on the board, you get sued. <laughs> what a line by the coach last night. That's, uh, hey, you know what? And he's being, and he's right. I mean, that is something that used to happen that doesn't as much anymore. And I think, you know, you sort of lean on players to understand the game, understand the situation and go and, you know, and, you know, and kind of pick their spots at the right time. But as Maurice very correctly said, I mean, you can't go and put bounties on anyone going forward. And, you know, would I think Maurice like maybe some sort of pushback at some point? Yes. I mean, I think that's the sort of the way he is. But I got to tell you, the uh, if you circle a guy's name on the board, you get sued. Could very well be a soundbite here on the program um, going forward. It was some good stuff last night from the guys afterwards. Um, the wheeler Friesen rivalry continues to, to simmer. We'll have uh, maybe that clip a little later on as a few other things. But let's talk about the games. Uh, before we do it, Dennis Bayek's going to join us in just a couple seconds. Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is always brought to you by Not Autocorp. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? Go see him. Waverly and McGillivray, incredible selection of vehicles, including the most Teslas here in Manitoba. Um, and you can also consign your vehicle if you'd like. Find out more at not.ca or pop down and see them. Tell them the Winnipeg Sports Talk guys sent you uh, to Not at Waverly and McGillivray. And of course, Boston Pizza, another game night tomorrow. Great time to get that game night meal deal with the spicy pierogi pizza, the meteor, the 24 case of wings, or call your shot with the Pizza Pairs. And Molson Canadian, you can win instant Boston Pizza gift certs, a custom-made outdoor rink for your backyard next winter, or even a VIP NHL experience. That right now available at all local Boston pizzas for takeout, delivery, or eat-in. All right, been looking forward to this. Many of you have been asking for this individual to join us, and it is long overdue. Man, it's great to have Dennis Bayak on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What's going on, Dennis? How are you? I'm good, Huss. How are you? Oh man, I'm, uh, I'm great. You know, it was an interesting game last night. Obviously, we would have liked to see the Jets a little closer to the Leafs in the standings. Um, but again, you know, if Connor Hellebuck was going to have a game like that, better it happen now than in, uh, a few weeks in the playoffs right now. And I'm very interested to see the rematch tomorrow night between uh, how the Winnipeg Jets and particularly their starting goaltender bounce back, considering what we just heard from the always confident Connor Hellebuck. What did you think of the game last night, Dennis? Well, not sure who had a tougher night, Connor Hellebuck or the referees. Uh, but certainly it wasn't the start that Connor Hellebuck wanted. Uh, I know he felt that uh, maybe he shouldn't have been uh, yanked from the game. But uh, I think when one goes in, 
short side, the next one goes through you, uh, you know, and then there's one in front that's a bit of a tip. I'm not sure if the coach has much option, but to, to make a goal with any change for, for one of two reasons. Either you don't think your netminder, your, your starting netminder is on his game that night, or as we, you guys talked about trying to switch momentum a little bit, maybe a little bit of both, but I don't think that, uh, I don't think the coach thought the first three that got by Connor Hellebuck were goals that would normally beat, uh, Connor Hellebuck. Well, and to be honest, I think the coach is exactly right on that. Um, but I have to say, I'm not surprised at all to hear Connor Hellebuck say that it's a 3-2 game. I don't think I should have been pulled and I, as far as I go on that. If there's one thing we learned from Connor Hellebuck over the years, Dennis, is that this guy's a very special goaltender and a special individual, a unique, even amongst goalies. Um, and no matter what happens, he has a level of confidence and belief in himself that, frankly, not many National Hockey Leaguers or not many athletes have, period. Yeah, I don't know if you get to the pro level without having some of that. Uh, maybe a goaltender, a quarterback, a pitcher. Maybe those athletes have to have a little more of it than uh, than some other players. Uh, but certainly, Connor Hellebuck does not lack confidence. I was wondering whether or not he was going to leave the net for maybe five, ten minutes and then maybe come back in. But uh, you know, by that time, Lauren Brossois got settled in and made a couple of real good saves. And I think he just, uh, whether that was in his thought process at all, he just elected to leave it with Lauren Brossois and go the distance. But, yeah, you know, they came back, made it a one-goal game, and uh, even when they were down 4-2, came back, made it a one-goal game, had some chances in the third period and, and couldn't find that tying goal, and, and then Toronto gets the empty netter. But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think tomorrow night's going to be another real good hockey game. We're in for some some real good hockey here. we got the Toronto game tomorrow night, then we got the Edmonton games next week and and uh, a battle for top spot uh, in the north the only thing missing is the fact that Edmonton and Toronto don't play anymore but uh, you know certainly uh, it's going to be a, a great couple of days of hockey here well you know what Dennis um you know it is a great three-way race for first place um and I'm not sure I expected that to be the case but I'll tell you what going into this season I would have put some money down that we would have had an incredible race for that final playoff spot and to me the most incredible thing that's happened this season that I wasn't expecting was the complete bottoming out of the Calgary Flames to the point that the Habs really don't need to win that many games to make sure that they're the fourth and final playoff team in the north situation now with every win every point they pick up it really puts uh, the Calgary Flames behind the eight ball because they're simply going to run out of games and you hope that uh, what happened in Calgary? Didn't like the first two. Something that carries on, and uh, that they can get that game tonight. We don't have any more delays uh, in the Western Conference, but or in the North Division here, and and that. But uh, that has been a surprise. There's no doubt. I was with you. I, I thought there was really going to be a battle for top uh, in the North, and I thought there was going to be a real tight battle for that final playoff spot. But, uh, you know, Vancouver didn't get off to the start that they were looking for. They had a tough schedule at the start. Ottawa didn't get off to the start that they wanted, and now the Ottawa Senators are a very tough team to play against. And then the Calgary Flames, we saw the coaching change, and then who knows whether the changes are going to happen in Calgary during the offseason. But, uh, you know, that race just simply isn't there. Montreal is simply going to run. Uh, the, the Calgary Flames out of games. And uh, if Ottawa had another 10, 15 games, they might get themselves right back into it too, but but that's probably not going to happen. So Montreal, with uh, if that game goes tonight and Montreal wins, uh, I mean, that's pretty much going to give them some breathing room too. 
Yeah, and then, as you mentioned, that was a, a tough loss for Vancouver last night, coming off those two big wins against Toronto to begin the first four straight against Ottawa with a loss last night. But as we've seen, and, and ask the Calgary Flames about the Ottawa Senators this year. I mean, if they reverse their record against Ottawa, they're right there in the mix for a playoff spot as opposed to where they are right now. It, Dennis, I mean, just talking about the North Division, it's been such a such a weird year for, I mean, not just in hockey, just in all of our lives. How's this year been for you? And how different has it been? What's it been like calling the games, not necessarily in the building right now? How have you been handling everything? Well, you miss not being at the games. I mean, that's kind of what we all sign up for is to, is to watch games live and call games live. But unfortunately, uh, and the right choice was made that uh, we didn't want to travel a whole bunch of people, uh, me included. And uh, we had a long discussion at the World Junior Championship uh, with TSN people uh, in Edmonton. And, uh, you know, they asked, what's your preference? And, and I just kind of felt the way things were. That, uh, and you know what? Once we were off the charter uh, for this year, that kind of started the ball rolling from that standpoint. Uh, and even then, you can kind of handle the airlines because you can kind of mask yourself up and make sure you're as careful as you possibly can be, not saying that it still won't happen. Uh, you can get to the hotel, as I did at Edmonton for the World Junior and immediately wiped all the taps down, wiped all the doorknobs down, wiped the TV remote down, and everything that you were going to touch on a regular basis so you can control that. It's getting to and from the hotel and to and from the rink that, that eventually was going to become an issue, and we made the decision at that time that uh, until things got a lot better, and unfortunately they haven't, uh, we were not going to travel a whole bunch of people. So uh, the only difference uh, for me is instead of looking at the ice surface to call a game live, uh, on the road games, I turn around and I'm calling games off a monitor. So, uh, and there's been some challenges. The you know for, and I'll rant a little bit here for for a season that was supposed to be about games on television. To allow some of the jerseys that we have seen is unfair. It's unfair to the broadcasters. It's unfair to the fans who are watching the game. The Ottawa Senators third jersey, that red jersey, you cannot pick up a number uh, without really, really concentrating. But we had, unfortunately, touch wood, uh, we've only had those jerseys once. Uh, we may get them again for the last Ottawa game. Uh, we'll see, but uh, they are almost impossible. I said after the game, I have never, ever worked so hard at broadcasting a hockey game as I did that one. And the Toronto reverse retro jerseys aren't great. Vancouver's jerseys aren't great. The Edmonton Oilers' third jersey that they've had for a few years now is not great. Hard enough to call when you're in the building. Very difficult to call off monitor. And uh, apologize to all the people that uh, have caught misidentification, but it's going to happen again. Sorry. Yeah, well, and those jerseys, not only are they hard to make out, they are also ugly as hell, too. So I don't really know if they're doing much. Dennis Bayek is with us, Voice of the Jets on TSN. Um, you know, Dennis, just when it comes to calling the games, um, you know, even when you're in the home building, there's no fans. And I'm interested in your perspective because, I mean, a big part of watching the game and the feeling that viewers get listening to you call a game as well as Paul I mean, you sort of feel that energy and the emotion of the building, and it goes hand-in-hand hand with the call. 
how has the lack of fans um affected you or changed the the call of the game as well as you know what what we might be seeing uh, at home because you know you put in some of the sounds and it it does sound normal but it's obvious that there's something missing with the massive reactions that obviously fans at Bell MTS Center often provide. Yeah, as the game gets going and as the intensity of the game picks up, if you get a key goal, 3-3 tie, and somebody scores with a couple minutes left, uh, as soon as you say scores, you may you know re-identify who got the goal, but then you lay it and, and you let the crowd take it and, and let them carry it for four, five, six, seven seconds, and then you get back into your replay of the goal and, and carry on as normal. But we don't have that. Uh, the noise that you hear, we are hearing in our ears, and that helps. It gives you a little bit of, of crowd noise, especially on the home games. If you didn't have anything in the building, I'm sure, as, as loud as I am and some other broadcasters are, I'm sure the players could hear us on the ice. And so they have that crowd noise in the building, and that kind of drowns some of that out. Uh, you know, but you do miss you do miss that excitement because – that's what gets you pumped up. That's what gives you on the nights where, uh, you know, things aren't going well from a broadcast standpoint. Those are the things that kind of keep on going. So there's no doubt the players miss the, the fans. Uh, we miss the fans. Uh, I had the, I've had the ability, I guess, to call some games with not many people in the building at world championships. You'll get Norway uh, playing Denmark uh, in a tournament in Germany. And you'll have basically friends and family and the, and the fans that have traveled from those countries there. So you won't have a big crowd. So I've done some games before, but not in the National Hockey League. And, and that's been a challenge, I think, maybe more for players than, than anybody else. But uh, again, uh, you know, the most used term from a few years back, it is what it is. And uh, we'll get through it. And, uh, you know, hopefully next year we're all back to normal. Uh, Dennis Bayak with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Dennis, I wanted to take advantage of, you know, having this format and being able to go a little longer to go a little bit back with you because I think a lot of fans are familiar with you as being the voice of the Winnipeg Jets for the last 10 years, but your journey to this point is very different than I think a lot of people in the business. Um, Maybe let's just back up. I mean, you were not um, always a broadcaster. I mean, you were on the other side of things, kind of similar to me, working on the hockey side of things in the Western League. Let's talk a little bit about your time before you became a broadcaster and then how you made that transition. You know, Austin, I think, as you mentioned, working on the other side, I think we get a better handle of things aren't always as easy as they would seem. And, and if there's one thing that I've learned over the years – that's been it by being on that other side. And I'll give you the Coles notes version here because uh, we don't have enough time. We could go till Monday. We could take the entire weekend here. I gave you the long version, but uh, you know, I started in broadcasting in Flint Lawn, uh, you know, got, got a call to move to Saskatoon, which I did. Uh, Patty Gannell, who was running Flint Lawn when I was there, bought the Victoria Cougars, called me and said, we could come to Victoria I moved to Victoria. Two years later, he sold the team. I was going back through Saskatoon. They offered me my old job back at CFQC Radio and Television. I took it. Uh, and then there was a change with the Saskatoon Blades. They approached me to join the Blades organization in whatever capacity was needed. Uh, the official title at that time was assistant GM, but it was marketing. It was scouting. It was a little bit of everything. Uh, statistics. 
We had the Memorial Cup in 89. Or I'll go backtrack a little bit. We opened up the new building in February of 89. Telecable wanted to broadcast the game. Uh, Daryl Lubinicki, our general manager, said, you can broadcast it, but Dennis has to do the play-by-play. So I went back and I uh, broadcast that first game between one of the uh, Saskatoon Blades and the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, that the Blades did end up winning. And then after that, the decision was made, can we get you back in the broadcasting booth and still keep you working with the hockey club and doing all the things that that, uh, that I was doing for the Saskatoon Blades? And uh, I got back into broadcasting there. We had the Memorial Cup in 89, uh, which was a huge success thanks to a whole lot of volunteers and a whole lot of people who put so many hours into it. Uh, Seattle got the Memorial Cup. They approached me, would you come to Seattle? Went there as assistant GM and did the play-by-play for them for a couple of years. Peter Anhold left. They said, do you want to be the general manager? I said, yes. I uh, became the general manager of the Seattle Thunderbirds for a couple of years, and that's been in the news here the last little bit here because of Patrick Martle who just passed Gordy Howe in 1994. Uh, we drafted Patrick Martle in the first round of the uh, Bantam draft to the Seattle Thunderbirds. I never saw him play with Seattle. I left, went to Tri-Cities for a year. Uh, I was approached by the Americans to come there. Uh, we had a real good year. I got fired. We'll save that one for a longer, part, for a longer <laughs> day for you. Uh, and uh, ended up in Edmonton visiting some friends, and they said the Oilers are looking for a play-by-play guy. And so I started the ball rolling there and got in touch with some people. And uh, next thing you know, I was the television voice of the Edmonton Oilers. Did that for a couple of years. CFRN lost the rights. Wasn't sure what I was doing. Uh, I was on my way to cover an Eskimo practice and got a call from Molestar in Toronto, who uh, Molestar at that time owned all the broadcast rights for the Canadian teams. They said, would you move to Toronto? I said, yes. And uh, I went off to Toronto for, I think it was 13 or 14 years and did some stuff for TSN, did some radio, lots of the Toronto Maple Leaf radio games. And then when uh, the Winnipeg Jets came back into the National Hockey League, TSN, Paul Graham, who was a friend of mine, uh, said, we get the rights, would you go to Winnipeg? I said, in a heartbeat. And the rest is history. Here we are 10 years later. Yeah, it is. As um... short as I can tell that story, I'm sorry. Well, no, hey, listen, it's an incredible journey. Um, there's so much experience in a lot of different areas of the hockey business that I think it's important for people to know. And it's one of the things I think that makes you such a great broadcaster because you're able to bring things from like a, 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 a view of, of the business, how things work that a lot of people don't have. Tell us about the decision to come to Winnipeg though. Was it an automatic? I mean, you had a pretty good gig. You're in Toronto, you know, the Leafs. We've had a couple people that were mentioning they were watching the Jets feed of some games this year that you have done. And it reminded of your time calling Leaf games where obviously you've still got some fans. Um, um, was it to be part of something new? Was it to get back to Manitoba? Was it all of the above? All of the above. Uh, and there was one more, uh, sidebar to it that, Things were changing in Toronto. Uh, I still had some time left on my contract. Uh, had a ton of fun in Toronto. Jim Ralph and I did the radio games when Joe Bowen was doing television. Came out to about the 55, 56 games a year is what I did on radio. And maybe the best compliment Jim Ralph and I ever got was people said it was like sitting in a bar talking to you guys as you were broadcasting the game. And then that's what we tried to do. We tried to just, and you know this from, from your experience in radio, and, and that's kind of what we all strive for is just to be part of people's days. 
but there was things changing in Toronto. And it was interesting because when it first started, the people at Chorus Radio in Toronto said, look, there's a chance that CJOB is going to get the rights. Uh, maybe drop in there in case they have some questions. And that's kind of where the whole thing got started. Uh, and then it just kind of went by the wayside. Nobody knew what was happening with the rights. Uh, Bev and I were on our way to uh, Wenatchee, Washington. We spend the summers in Kelowna, as you know. We were on our way to Wenatchee, Washington to visit some friends. We were at the Safeway Wine Store in Omak, Washington. My cell phone rang. I recognized the number as a TSN number, and it was Paul Graham saying, it looks like we're going to get the rights. Would you move to Winnipeg? And uh, the opportunity to come back to the province where I grew up in, uh, there's always something intriguing about, and I know this wasn't the first broadcast job with the Winnipeg Jets, but it was the first broadcast job with the Winnipeg Jets who were back in the National Hockey League after 15 years. There's always something special about being first. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I love challenges. I love opportunities. And uh, this one was simply too good to pass up. And, and uh, you know, uh, maybe other than getting married, probably the best decision I've ever made in my life. Good answer. Good answer, Dennis. <laughs> there's a there's a veteran right there for you. Um, it has been an amazing 10-year ride. And I think all of us that have been around the hockey club and just the city, even from a fan's perspective, knows how you know much it really changed the sports fabric of, of Winnipeg. Um what was that first year and first and even first game? Hell, the first preseason game like for you. We've been watching these Jets legends pieces that uh, Balls and the guys the Jets have put together that have been so much fun to watch. Um, even for someone with as much as experience for you, I imagine that season, especially those early games, probably really stand out as career highlights. Well, first off, I was getting on the radio and going into television more. And even though I had done – a number of TSN games. I, I'd done some NHL games for TSN, the second half of doubleheaders with Ryan Walter. I had done some other events for TSN on television. So I understood television, but this was going to be more of a full-time television gig. So people asked me about that first preseason game, the split squad game with the Columbus Blue Jackets. It was Brian Inglom and I. And, and I'll be honest, a lot of leading up to that was a blur because I was so focused on making sure that I didn't mess this thing up, uh, which I almost messed up when I go back to my Edmonton days. But again, we'll save that one for the book. Uh, I was so focused on that that I didn't want to mess that up that I was really concentrating on that. And uh, turned out the game went really well. And, uh, you know, again, it went from there. And, you know, I certainly remember Dustin Bufflin right off the bat, uh, getting into a big scrap. And I just remember the people, though. You know, they were – this was the NHL. This was the NHL, and it didn't matter whether it was a split squad game. didn't matter what was going on. They were excited about what was about to happen. So it was good. Uh, it certainly is. Now let's uh, get back to this year's squad right now. Um you know, I think different people, I think people closer to the team knew what this group was capable of. And especially when you've got, when you're starting off with a goaltender like Connor Hellebuck and the elite talent the team has up front, um, you know, you're going to have a chance to win your fair share of games. But 
Um, how would you compare the team's performance this year to what you expected? Is this sort of where you thought they'd be? Have they overachieved, if you will, or have they just improved over the course of this season to be in the spot they are right now, still challenging for first place in the North? Yeah, they maybe, you know, there were so many questions about the defensive core, and, and, and we all had them, and rightfully so. I mean, we, you know, we kind of saw what Neil Pionk brought last year after the Jacob Truba trade was, was his progress going to continue? We knew what Josh Morrissey could do. We knew what Tucker Pullman could do. The question mark to me going into camp was Derek Forward. Was Derek Forward going to be able to play in the top four and play top four minutes with the Winnipeg Jets? Turns out the answer to that is yes. Uh, Logan Stanley jumped in and, and did a better job, I think, than a lot of people expected him to. So, so I think the defense corps has done a better job as a group than maybe what we expected, or at least I expected at the start of the year. And not maybe expected is too harsh of a word. There was question marks, let's put it that way. So we knew what Connor Hellebuck we do. We knew up front what this team could do. There was question marks about the signing of, of Nate Thompson, Trevor Lewis, and Paul Maurice for years has talked about a veteran fourth line. And he tried that last year. It didn't work because of injuries. And it has worked this year for the Winnipeg Jets. So uh, I think this is an exciting team. Uh, you know, I know there was some disappointment in the fan base on the trade deadline day that, uh, that a Matthias Ekholm or a, a Josh Manson or a Jamie Alexiak didn't make uh, in, get, get into a Winnipeg Jets jersey. But those players never got traded. I, you know, I firmly believe, and again, for being on the other side, uh, I've been involved in some trades where you think it's done and then something happens and it's not done, and then you don't have time because there's a deadline uh, to get it done. We've got Chris Osgood from Kelly McCrimmon and the Brandon Wheat Kings, where we had the Memorial Cup in Seattle, and Kelly was as shrewd a guy to deal with as there ever was uh, in the Western Hockey League, and I think we're seeing some of that in the National Hockey League right now as well. We got that deal done. Uh, and, and we were trying to convince him that Milt Mastad was a better fit for him because we were better stocked on defense. He wanted Chris Dingman. We didn't want to trade Chris Dingman. We ended up having to trade Chris Dingman because we wanted Chris Osgood. Uh, that deal came right down to the wire, and it was basically, you know, like 15 seconds before uh, the trade deadline where a third person, there was myself, Peter Anhold, in the room, uh, the third, a third person made the call to the league and said, "Hey, we've got a deal done, so it's going to come in, and we got it done." So anyway, back to back to trade deadline day. It didn't work out for the Winnipeg Jets, and that's the way it works sometimes. I really believe Kem Shoveldayoff off thought he had a chance at some of these other names that were out there. So, so now they have what they have, and as long as they stay healthy, uh, you know, it's unfortunate Nathan Beaulieu has got hurt because in a game like last night. Uh, I think Nathan Bull, you might have been a big participant. Uh, you know, you go back to last night's game, and we've talked, you know, you guys have talked about Gelchenyuk, the Joel Thornton one that he got fined for. To me, the dirtiest hit of all was Felino on Morris. Uh, if you look at it, and I slowed it down this morning, and his is perfectly right between the fours on Josh Morrissey's back. And, and how that one doesn't get called, uh, you know, regardless. So the, one, the defense score actually did better. As the, as the year went on, uh, Neil Pionk's game progressed. Josh Morrissey's game has progressed. I think Tucker Pullman has fit nicely in there now. So as long as they can stay healthy, uh, they'll be fine. If the depth gets challenged, then we'll see where Logan Stanley is in pressure games, 
where Billy Hanala is in pressure games, where Dylan Sandberg is in pressure games, where Sammy Niku is in pressure games. But uh, that'll all play itself out. Uh, as far as the forward group, I think this group is as good as there is in the National Hockey League. And uh, and I look for an exciting finish here and uh, bring on the playoffs. Hey, one more for you, Dennis, and it's been so much fun having you on. A young man you've seen pretty much his entire career. Um, I did a piece for OB today, um, and – and I was thinking about the Jets going into the playoffs and this season and, you know, the contributions of everyone. And I mean, Andrew Klopp scores his 15th of the year last night. He's got 36 points in 46 games. And then you think about his contributions on the penalty kill, his contributions on that line that's often has the toughest matchup, what he's done on a second power play unit that's been as productive as the top unit this year. I mean, just comment on the, his development into the player he is right now. And, is there a is there a guy that contributes in more different ways on this hockey club than Andrew Kopp? The organization always felt that there was more to Andrew Kopp's game than simply being a defensive specialist. That part of the game came so natural to him that uh, it became easy for the coach to use him in those situations. But the, the feeling always was there was more there, and it was he was not happy last summer uh, after the arbitration ruling. He you know he felt that that there was more dollars out there. And he came back maybe with a bit of a chip on his shoulder and he was given an opportunity and he grabbed the opportunity. And that's what you like. That always makes a real good story as far as athletes are concerned. When you're given a chance and you grab that opportunity and you run with it and he got to play, you know, in the top six. And even when he came down from the top six, still convinced the coach and the coach was convinced he's done enough to stay on our second power play unit and, and you mentioned his point totals compared to his game totals. So when you look just at the point totals, you say, well, that's a pretty good year. But then when you look at the games played and you say, Andrew Kopp's not that far off a point a game player in the NHL. And, and I think that's a credit to Andrew Kopp and everything that he has done. He understands the game so well. When we were allowed to go in the dressing room, uh, if you were ever looking for – an explanation. Kevin Sawyer relied on certain people. When you were looking for a real good explanation as to why this happened or what are you going to do going into this game, he was one of the guys you would go to. You'd go to him, you'd go to an Adam Lowry, you'd go to a Josh Morrissey. You'd go to some of those guys that, that really understood that part of the game and were more than willing to share that. And uh, good for Andrew Kopp because he's worked for absolutely everything that he has got so far. Dennis, you are the best. Uh, it was so much fun having you on the program. Hopefully we can do this again sometime. You be well, be safe, love to Bev, and uh, we'll uh, hopefully have a great hockey game tomorrow night downtown. Hus, compliments and congratulations to you and, and Michael Remus. And I think this, this market, there is a need in this market for what you are doing, uh, what Kenny and Rennie are doing, uh, you know, what CJOB does after the games and, and, our old employer, TSN 1290, was doing. Uh, I just think there's there's such a need in the market here for what you're doing. So congratulations for your undertaking here. Uh, keep up the good work and stick with it. Hey, thanks so much, my friend. You have a great one, and uh, we will talk again soon. Thanks so much. All right, Huss. Take care. There he is, the man himself, voice of the Jets. Ten years in now here in the peg, the one and only Dennis Bayak. Really appreciated Dennis joining us today here on the program. We've got a lot more Jets Leafs talk coming up on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. 
Um, but just quickly, we'll uh, remind you that uh, spring is here. I know it was gorgeous yesterday. Not so nice today. It's going to be getting nice, though. And spring legitimately is here. The snow is gone. It's time to get outside and dominate spring, and no better place to do that than Royal Sports. They've got the expanded fitness center. I saw on their Instagram yesterday a bunch of new bikes coming in, and bikes are tough to get right now, um, not to mention soccer, baseball, and the best selection of licensed merchandise anywhere, period. 650 Rally and EK, 750 Pemina Highways, the Royal Sports Superstore. And uh, it's the weekend. Maybe you check out the Nick and Nicky DQs, DQ Northgate, DQ Niverville, Polo Park, and St. Anne's. And as I mentioned a couple shows ago, Nick's just uh, fired up the two for $5 treat nights at all four stores after 8 p.m., Either two medium cones, dip cones, or two medium Sundays, seven days a week after 8 p.m. at the four Nick and Nicky DQs. And of course, if you're gonna need a cake, hit them up. The Niverville store, as well as Northgate stores, masters when it comes to, uh, putting those things together. Big thanks to Nick and Nicky for their support of the program. All right. Um, we will, we've got some more things to get to at the end of the show, some funny stuff, but let's continue talking, uh, Jets Leafs. And it is a real pleasure to welcome into the program. He is the co-host of Hockey Central on the Fan 590 and, uh, does all sorts of contribute, um, contributions to Sportsnet. It's Justin Bourne. Justin, what's going on? Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no, no, thanks for having me. Um, I'm, I'm disappointed I missed Dennis Bayak. I, I haven't talked to him. Since I was maybe 13 years old, we played golf together in Kelowna, BC once, and I want to know if he remembers it. But uh, I've watched him with great admiration for his career and haven't talked to him in, oh, 25 years. So uh, one day it'll happen. Nah, no doubt. Well, you know, when we get back to normal and we actually have the media traveling and, you know, meeting people and seeing yeah. people in person again. <laughs> We'll certainly make that happen. Um, thanks so much for joining us. I've always wanted to, to get you on. And now that we're more independent, this has been a long time coming. So thanks yeah. for doing this. Um, and it's an exciting time right now for fans, certainly in Toronto, fans here in Winnipeg, fans in Edmonton. Pretty interesting three-horse race for first place. But let's focus in on this Jets-Leafs series um, and start off with last night's game. What did you think about the Leafs 5-3 win? Well, you know, the, the Leafs aren't, um, aren't a mystery. You know, they, they have some great offensive players, uh, and when they're good, uh, it's, they're tough to beat. When, if you can shut them down, you got a chance. And, you know, Hellebuck wasn't his best. He's a Vesna winning, fantastic goaltender, but rocky start to the game, and that kind of put the Jets behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, but still, it's, it's never over with the Jets. Uh, you know, Ehlers and Connor right now are just unbelievable to watch. Um, probably my, my favorite duo. Uh, in the Canadian division, uh, just because McDavid and Dry Seidel aren't playing together, so they're they're a ton of fun when they're together, and it's just it's exciting hockey when these two teams play. You know what? I, you brought up Nikolai Ehlers. He was nice enough to uh, jump on with us for a good twenty minutes earlier this week, talking nice. about the season he's having and all that. And you know, I have to ask you, being out in Toronto, and you know, kind of being and you know, working for the national broadcaster. Um, We've been talking about Ehlers for a long time around here, and, and even on the Winnipeg Jets at times, he has been, you know, I, I don't want to say a secondary player, he's far from that, but hasn't been on the top line at times. But it seems like more and more people are taking notice of just how good Nikolai Ehlers is. Are you seeing and hearing more people talking about number 27 outside of the Winnipeg market these days? Yeah, you know, it's fascinating too, is like the most polarizing guy in the Toronto market is Willie Nylander. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of overlap between those two guys where 
their coaches don't tend to see them the way that a lot of the fan base does. They don't give them the huge minutes. They don't give them all the praise and uh, everything else that a lot of the fans think they're worthy of. But it's interesting because the coaches are also putting them in a situation where they can thrive, right? And I know that's been a conversation there in Winnipeg is Paul Maurice in Ehlers minutes. And, uh, you know, some players are just better suited to eat the lunch of the lessers. And it seems like Ehlers is that guy, you know, and, and that's, you know, Elliot Friedman has made the case that maybe Ehlers would be a sneaky heart type guy. But I think unless you're playing the toughest matches and the matchups in the biggest minutes, it's tough to get into that conversation. But that doesn't devalue your contributions when they're when you're being put in a position uh, like Ehlers is. All you can do is play the minutes you're given. He's killing those minutes. So a uh, tremendous year for him. Just an interesting topic when you talk about the best players in the NHL, where you see him just because of the type of role he plays for the Jets. Hey, um, you know, as far as the North Division goes right now, um, I was saying to Dennis, maybe the thing that I'm the most surprised about is that we essentially know the four playoff teams right now with three weeks left to go. I mean, I yeah. guess Vancouver could go on some sort of miracle run. I doubt it. And I think we can pretty much stick a fork in the Calgary Flames. The Flames might be one of the most disappointing teams this year in in the NHL. Um, are, are you How surprised are you, frankly, that it's pretty much set in stone, the four teams, um, you know, with still a dozen games left in a shortened season? Yeah, I'm shocked. I'm genuinely shocked. Uh, you know, if you went back and look at my preseason predictions for how this division was going to shake out, um, I I had the Jets as the biggest wild card. I said anywhere from two to six, and I could see it. And they they might finish one yet. You know, so it's a, they were a huge wild card. Um, the Canucks were another team that would not have surprised me if they were really good or really bad. So being really bad, I'm not going to say I'm shocked. Certainly, you know, they're on the low end of expectations. But the Flames, the Flames I was most wrong on. I thought this was a team that a 2-3 seed, you know, everyone in the division looked like they were going to play the same way to me. And it's like, okay, the Jets, tons of offense. I don't know about that defense. Leafs, offense. Not sure about the defense. Canucks, same thing. You can go do that down the line. But the Flames, you like that decor. You like their depth up front. I don't know. I can't explain it. They can't either. They fired the coach. Still nothing better. At some point now, you got to say, okay, the core is the problem because we can't seem to fix it with superficial changes. Well, you know, I've been doing some shows with Pat Steinberg in afternoons over in Calgary, and it's been fascinating, you know, being in this market and really focusing on the teams that have a lot to play for and are excited about the playoffs. And, you know, Calgary, the, the fear for Calgary is in that market that they're once again in no man's land. Like people are worried they're going to go on a little bit of a run here at the end of the season and, you know, again, just be good pick enough 13th. to pick 13th or 14th <laughs> overall in the draft. Um, but I have to say, considering where we're at in Brad Treleving's tenure there and the aggressive move to fire Jeff Ward and bring in Daryl Sutter, who we know is going to be there next season, um, it certainly sounds like there is going to be some significant moves in the offseason. And for the first time in a while, significantly shaking up that core that has been there for the last few years, dating back to you know when they were the top team in the West before getting bounced in five games by the Avalanche a couple seasons ago. It's funny, like they finished as the top team in the West, and since then it's been like bad news for the Flames. I mean, you get bounced by the Avalanche in the first round, and you know they had the Bill Peters situation, the coach firing. You know, it's it's you know it's been bad, and you know unfortunately, Tree Living now has been there for this is fifth head coach. Uh, the core is kind of aging out. It looks like you might need to rebuild and restructure. And if you're saying, all right, you've had however many years it's been, nine, you know, it's been a long time uh, with him at the helm. At some point, are you going to want him to be the guy who makes the decisions about your, your core and your biggest players? 
maybe you're comfortable with it. I think, certainly think he's a capable guy who's made uh, a lot of good decisions. But at some point, you know, the stench reaches the, the highest part of the organization. And he's just, just like, it's not been good enough and, and someone's going to have to pay the price. <laughs> Justin Bourne is with us. Remus, if you can, give me that note again. Give me that note again. Dennis, Dennis, of course, you mentioned the golfing, Justin. Dennis is listening, uh, or obviously tuning in afterwards, heard yeah. you mentioned. And, uh, he said that uh, he remembers that you guys almost got hit by lightning on that round. It <laughs> <laughs> shows how bad my memory is. I remember playing golf with Dennis, so maybe he was that impactful to me, but I don't remember almost getting hit by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> would have been a heck of a round, I'll say. That's been some good hockey talk, even if you were only 13 years old. Um, so moving on from the also-rans and the teams that won't be in the playoffs, let me ask you this. Um, considering where the Habs are right now and the makeup of their team, questions with injuries, goaltending and whatnot, how much of an advantage is it for one of these three teams to win the North and get the Habs in the first round and avoid a 2-3 matchup of two of the top three teams in the division? You know, like sitting here today, I want to say it's a huge advantage and, you know, they're struggling and you want to play the lesser team and yada yada, but, like, can't you see a scenario where you draw Montreal and Carey Price gets hot and all of a sudden they're scoring depth. Uh, you know, you're getting scored on by Philip Deneau and Thomas Tatar. And, Ask the know, Pittsburgh Penguins, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like it's really easy to construct a scenario in my head where you're like, oh man, we drew Pittsburgh. If only it was Edmonton. You know, so yeah, like right now they look bad and it's easy to say you want them. But I don't know, man. There's enough there to think that they're not going to be a pushover either. Uh, give me, uh, let's uh, handicap the top three teams for us right now. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that the Leafs have the upper hand when it comes to first place. But, you know, regardless of how the regular season ends, um, let's look ahead to the playoffs. And mm-hmm. if you had to handicap or rank the teams, you know, in terms of their, you know, opportunity to succeed in the playoffs and get out of the North, how would you rank Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton? Just like that, Toronto, Winnipeg, and Edmonton. The, uh, you know, with the, the Oilers remind me of the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron James was the only good player on the team and he was dragging them to the finals <laughs> with like you, me, and their dog to get to the, you know, for the rest of the, the rotation. And, you know, he can only do so much. But in basketball, you can touch the ball every possession. You can be on the court for 48 minutes. You can be the guy. The Oilers are not a very good team with two of the three best players in the world, two of the five best players in the world, depending on where you sit on subjectivity. But I just think... Those guys are so good and so impactful and so dangerous. They're going to beat you some nights. Can they beat you four times out of seven? It's asking an awful lot. So the Jets, to me, just are far more depth to their lineup uh, and, and way better goaltending. So it's uh, the Toronto-Winnipeg-Edmonton for me. Yeah, goaltending, um, surprisingly, was a bit of a story in uh, an unusual way here in Winnipeg last night. Connor Helbuck didn't have a great start and got pulled, although um, he did say today... Uh, he shouldn't have gotten pulled and he'll be back in. Did he say that? Oh yeah, yeah. He said, I was, I thought I, we were, I was playing good enough to win. Didn't like the call. And, and Maurice for his part says, I love that. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, goalies are already a bit of a different breed, but there's goalies and then there's Hellebuck. And I mean, his, oh, he's, he's a goalie, isn't he? he he's maybe <laughs> the most interesting and entertaining interview, not just in Winnipeg, but one of my favorites in the entire league. Yeah. And the one thing, and it does not matter. If he gives up six goals on seven shots and get yanked, he'll come afterwards and say, you know what? I like my game. I believe in what I'm doing. I mean, he has a level of confidence and belief that sometimes defies reality, 
but it's a big part of what has made him a Vesna Trophy winner. And I'll tell you what, a guy that when you break down these teams and knowing how important goaltending is, is I think a real source of confidence for both Jet fans as well as players in that room. Uh, it's funny you mention that because I'm just thinking of like interesting things said in the media lately. And you have Hellebuck saying that uh, he didn't think he should be pulled. You have Elvis Merzlikens last night saying, you know, like it's basically a train wreck in, Ed- in uh, Columbus. He just wants to delete the season, forget about it, never think about it but again. You have Robin Leonard talking about being lied to about the vaccinations and, you know, the whatever else in Vegas he was on about. I mean, it's all goalies. Goalies, man. It's all goalies. You had Jordan Biddington fake punching people not that long ago. It's like it's high drama coming from the crease. Thank God for them or we'd have no personality in the game at all. Hey, uh, you know, you brought up Elvis Merzlikens, and we're going to listen to those comments a little later on. I mean, it is – it's stunning what has happened there, um, and especially for people in Winnipeg. I mean, Patrick Lining is still, a, you know, a huge favor of, I would say, the majority of Jet fans and – you know, I think even though he was traded in a deal, people are excited about Pierre-Luc Dubois, who, you know, Paul Maurice said, maybe had his best game as a Jet last night and seems to be getting ready into playoff form. Uh, I have to ask you, I mean, what do you make of that situation in Columbus right now? I mean, it seems like it uh, it couldn't get much worse. They just, they can't keep, I mean, they can't keep talent in Columbus, and that's that's... In the NHL, you just can't win if you can't keep your guys. If, you know, Panarin doesn't want to stay there and Bobrovsky doesn't want to stay there and Duchesne doesn't want to stay there and over and over, it's so, so hard. So you need your homegrown talent to be exceptional. You know, a guy like Dubois wants out of town because he's not getting along with the coach. It's, it's just really, really hard, um, to, to maintain the team and, and contend. And once it falls apart and you don't have the elite talent and you've lost some of that doubt, you're in real trouble. You know, Tortorella has uh, had those guys pulling in the right direction and believing in the cause. And now that they're a seller, Nick Felino's out of the room. You know, the stars aren't there. It's bad. Um, yeah, Tortorella, I guess, is, you know, who wants to pay two coaches in a season you're not going to win anyway? Maybe that's uh, what's going on there. But it, it's it's tough to watch for a, a city that has built a fighty, fighting scrappy team for years despite a lack of talent. It's tough to watch right now. How, um, I mean... Listen, I think Jarmo Kekalainen is the guy going forward and will be the one that will presumably get a new coach next season. But, you know, when we look to the offseason, I'm not sure there's a more interesting spot in the league as far as pretty much I think everything is on the table. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, listen, the top stars are getting benched regularly by the head coach. I would imagine considering what they gave up to get the likes of Line and Roslevic, they'll try and find someone else to come in and make that work. But as far as the rest of the roster, I mean, as well as the coaching staff, I mean, I think we could see uh, a million possibilities once we get to the offseason. Yeah, I've got a ton of respect for Kekalainen and how he's handled that. Like, The reality is, I guess Winnipeg can kind of feel some of the Columbus pain in terms of attracting stars. Can that at times be hard in the UFA market? So he's done uh, his best to bring in, you know, via trade, other people who look could use a fresh start. And, um, you know, Max Domi was one of those guys. Line is one of those guys. But it, it just hasn't worked out. Those guys haven't taken to the team. And, you know, now they're trying to figure out what, what to do next. As, again, I love Kekalein. He's done everything he can with the tools he's been given. But I, you're right. I have no idea what's going to happen next. I imagine, you know, they'll spend some money in free agency if they can. But it's it's impossible to predict what's going to come with the Jackets. Sports, that's Justin Bourne with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, like most Canadians, especially people in Canadian markets, we've been really focusing on the North Division, sort of like our own Canadian league right now. 
as host to Hockey Central, I know you've been paying a lot of attention to the other divisions as well. Um, maybe not quite as much as the North, of course. But let me ask you this. I was talking with Pat and the guys yesterday in Calgary on this, and we were talking about that East Division. I mean, going into last night's game, you had one point separating the Islanders, Capitals, and Penguins, and the Bruins were four back with two games in hand and had probably been playing the best of, you know, the three te- or the four teams coming mm-hmm. over the last three three weeks heading into the convo. I mean, when you look at that division, I mean, is there any team that sticks out amongst those? And honestly, once those four teams go at it in two best of sevens, what's going to be left of the team that gets out of the East? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's another reason to be hungry for this North division. Something that should be, uh, you know, exciting for Jets fans, right? Like it's, if you get out of this division, there's going to be some decimated teams because some of the other top fours, boy, you look at, um, you know, Colorado, Minnesota, Vegas, and I guess St. Louis, they're struggling, but they're, you know, there's good teams in other divisions too. So, um, you know, tough to pick a favorite. They, they, they do play quite a bit differently. Some of those teams, but you know, the Islanders are just so tough to put away in a single game because they smother you so much on the defensive side of things. I, I just, man, I, I know I've got a bit of Islanders bias given my history, but I just, it's, really tough for me to see a team handling the Islanders four straight times. So I like the Capitals probably is the the favorite, but I mean, you know, Boston got Taylor Hall, Pittsburgh's uh, got the easiest schedule and might win the division yet. So absolute crapshoot, really fun to watch those four teams go at it coming up here. Well, let me ask you about that other division, um, because I kind of see it similar to the North, maybe with higher end talent. I mean, at the top of it, you've got Carolina, Tampa and Florida, who have been great. Now it looks like Nashville is sort of, you know, probably that fourth team. But um, considering how good those teams have been and how difficult that 2-3 two, three, two, three series is, might that division be the one where it's most important to win? Sure, I think it probably is. I'm not much of a believer in whatever's going to be in the four spot there, whether it's Nashville, Dallas might be the other real contender there. Um, so, yeah, super tough. Super, super important to finish first there. The one thing that I do know, um, or at least the one thing I do think, is I think a lot of fans look at that division and go, uh, Carolina, you know, it's great. They're winning a lot. Florida, same thing, but they don't see them as legit. Those teams are legit. Florida's built a, a tougher team that works harder than they've used to been, you know, used to with uh, bringing in Gudis and bringing in Sam Bennett and, you know, Wenberg and all these guys that bring a work ethic. Uh, you know, and Carolina's got Rod Brindamore and a solid decor. You know, those are teams now. Those are not teams that uh, are having good seasons. Those are deep teams for a long time to come. So Tampa's got their hands full. They're struggling. Victor Hedman doesn't look like the Norris guy that we're used to seeing the past month or so. Uh, you know, they, I'm pumped for playoffs this year. But to be honest, it's going to be a long slog to get there because we kind of know who the teams are in every division. I just kind of want to get her started. Well, and as far as the West goes, we touched on that for a minute. I can't see any scenario where we don't get a second-round matchup between the Colorado Avalanche and the Vegas Golden Knights. And to be honest, dude, that might be the best series of the yeah. entire Stanley Cup playoff. It might be the Cup final. You know, it's silly with the NHL, the, the way it is and the way it's organized. It's tough to get the best against the best in the final like the NBA gets so often. But no, we're Colorado-Vegas is happening, and I love <laughs> that it's going to happen you know, as much as it might feel close to the cup final, I love that it's happening before the fourth round. So we hopefully see the teams healthier. It's so sad when you pit two teams, you know, all year you look at, all right, one from the East, one from the West. By the time they meet each other in the final, there's 32 injuries and they're playing the AHL team. So happy they'll get a crack in round two. Uh, Justin Bourne's with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. JT, before we go, 
I wanted to throw this at you, and I think you tweeted on this. I talked about it with the guys yesterday in Calgary, and I find this fascinating. And I'm going to fill, I'll give you a little bit of the backstory for the people that are listening right now if they're not sure, uh, if they haven't heard about this. So the PGA Tour has created a $40 million player impact program. It's designed to award players who are judged to, quote, drive fan and sponsor engagement and move the needle. In addition to on-course performance, players are going to be ranked against their peers in other ways, including Google search popularity, Nielsen brand exposure rating, Q rating, and social media impact. 40 million bucks is going to be split amongst 10, the top 10 players, and the top guy is going to get $8 million. A lot of cash. I thought this was brilliant um, with the way that they are trying to market and get their players to be out there more. And it makes a lot of sense for individual contractors. I could not help but think when I read this the first time, man, this is something the National Hockey League could probably use. Hockey and baseball are so far behind some of the other sports in really marketing their stars, the personality of it. But at the same time, when you think about the hockey culture, if you will, it's always about the team. And it's sort of sometimes, I think, frowned upon to be that individual and be out there. Could the NHL, and I don't know how you would set this up, how exactly you would reward certain people for doing it. But I think we agree that more of the players out there is better for the game and better for the league. But could something like what the PGA is doing be beneficial to a league like the NHL, do you think? Yeah, the goalies we talked about earlier might be seeing some bucks, you know, a lot of value and running your mouth. The first thing I thought of when I saw that is like, hey, I hate Patrick Reed and everyone hates Patrick Reed, but we talk about Patrick Reed. Is Patrick Reed going to get like $8 million the next time he cheats? <laughs> you know, we hear about him all the time. But it is, it's a fascinating concept. And one, one I really like, like from the PGA perspective, if you sell tickets and you show up, you still have to perform. You're not getting compensated for bringing in money for the PGA Tour. You know, the NHL, you're compensated, you know, on your general performance, which makes sense. I do think that, you know, there's huge value in the league for having people who can bring in fans who might not otherwise be hockey fans. And that tends to be people who can engage in social media and they, they're willing to do interviews and they do a good job at them. And I, I think hockey needs this badly. I, we really are suffering from a lack of star uh, exposure. I think here in Toronto, like we, we are the, you know, I'm the host of Hockey Central with, with Jeff Merrick and Anthony Stewart. I've been on for a year and a half. Maybe we've had two Maple Leafs. Like I think we had Mitch Marner once, never Austin Matthews, never Nylander. You know, it's not like we're not asking to get these guys. Um, And it's not just our show. It's, you know, the access to these guys, because their demands, in fairness, the demands of these guys are huge. And they have a million things on the go. But I just don't think we know know players well enough. And and fine, even talking about the Toronto market, move that to other teams. You know, like, heaven forbid anyone know who Rupe Hintz is and what he's doing in Dallas. Or, you know, we just don't know the players enough. So if they're incentivized to show themselves to all of us and introduce themselves to the world. Um, you know, in a league that's up against the salary cap and sees the middle class pretty heavily squeezed financially, I think it would be the best for the league, for the fans, for the players. we got to find a way to get these guys out there more because they're really entertaining and really good people in general. 
Uh, Justin, this has been so much fun having you on the program. Folks, give him a follow at JT Bourne. And um, for folks, where can people find you, watch Hockey Central, and uh, hear you on Sportsnet? Give us the rundown and uh, where we can see more of your content, JT. Yeah, yeah. If you're, uh, Twitter's a good spot. But, yeah, sportsnet.ca is where I write. And then uh, I, I sometimes get to be on TV with some of the Hockey Central pregame shows. So, yeah, just tune into Sportsnet. Hey, when this is all done, we'll get you here for a round, and we'll bring out Dennis Bayak and get the band back together. I would love that. That sounds great. Thanks for having <laughs> hey. me. Thanks for your time. There he is, Justin Bourne. Give him a follow on Twitter at JT Bourne. He is the co-host of Hockey Central on the Fan 590. And uh, a great, great hockey follow. Highly recommend you uh, giving him one if you aren't already. Um, man, that was great stuff. So much fun having Dennis on. And I, I really was looking forward to having Justin on. He's um, you know one of the best in the biz covering hockey in Canada. And it was great to have him on. And uh, shout out to Michael Remus for making that, making that happen. Speaking of Michael Remus, let's check back in with the command center and uh, get my co-host back on here. Remo, great stuff with Dennis. Great stuff with JT. Have you uh, have you calmed down from the beginning of the program? Ready to? Have you kind of put your got back into Hellebuck mode, knowing that you're the best and doing a great job, and we're going to finish strong? Yeah, yeah, I'm 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 good. It's good to have uh, some time here. Uh, listen to some great stories from Dennis, who immediately texted me. You know, he's like, you know, Justin may not remember that we played golf together in Kelowna. And almost got struck by lightning. I was like, Justin just mentioned that to start the interview. <laughs> so I thought it was pretty funny how they're like, hey, the other guy may not remember. It was almost like match game uh, or something. New, isn't it a newlywed uh, game? But, but uh, yeah, awesome here, Dennis. And uh, Justin, I've been following him for a long time. We used to have him on, I think, with Rick all the time. And then when he was at the, with the Athletic, and then we couldn't when he moved uh, moved uh, you know places. But now I was like, hey, let's call, call Justin. You know, he's got a lot of experience uh, playing pro hockey. Uh, and, you know, be, being involved, well, uh, you know, on the uh, coaching side as well. So, uh, good to hear his insight on the Leafs and the Jets. Yeah, no, totally, man. Those are two great interviews. And I have to say, this is a perfect example of why this format and this show is, uh, to be honest, in my opinion, better than what we were able to do before. Um, because again, we can have a lot of fun. Um, you know, obviously we've got incredible sponsors that are enabling us to do this. But, I mean, it. we just had the voice of the Jets on TSN followed by the host of Hockey Central on Sportsnet. And uh, as independent contractors, Reem, we can play with everybody right now. So, uh, I mean, it's a heck of a way to do it. And, um, I mean, obviously, we're, we're appreciative of the support of those guys to come on right now. Um, but I have to say it more and more as we get into this project with Winnipeg Sports Talk, um, I'm thankful for the fact that, you know, now pretty much doors are open, um, in all, in, in all ways. And obviously even, um, obviously the highlight of the week, I think for us and a lot of our listeners was, uh, was getting Nikolai Ehlers on earlier on. So, I mean, to me, we've got the best of both worlds right now. And obviously we've got incredible support from all the people that are hanging with us every day here on the YouTube channel. Yeah, I love um, I love reading the chat and seeing everyone fired up about the Jets. Most people, um, you know, ninety nine percent of the people uh, have been positive and bring you know bring you know great comments and great insight on the hockey. And you get the odd uh, thing here or there, but um, you know we can move on and have some you know continue to have a great great chat and you know have some great discussions about uh, the Winnipeg uh, Jets hockey team and of course the Bombers. We talked to Willie Jefferson yesterday and whatever else. Uh, you know, fun stuff we want to bring up. I know we had a lot of fun about Tom Brady's 
uh, Instagram post about <laughs> not liking the new number rules in the NFL. By the way, Brady last night, and we were talking about him, he does have a pretty good social media presence. Um, but he did that tweet where he was complaining about all the numbers on Instagram. And then on Twitter, he posted it and quote tweeted it with, I'd like to speak to the manager. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, listen, I can't stand him. Well, actually, I can't stand him. I have like an incredible respect for him. But he's been a nemesis of mine for a long time. And I'm counting down the 10 or 11 months until the Chiefs get revenge on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But that will be a story. Speaking of the Chiefs in the NFL – draft next week we'll definitely have andy mack on reed fowler is going to join us we will get some nfl content next week as we get ready for the draft um but listen before we get to the cool bet lines remus a couple things i wanted to get to um well why don't we get the elvis mers lickens up here because uh, i know you've got that clip uh justin and i talked about it um it was very weird last night they lose to tampa 3-1 empty net goal was a 2-1 game and i believe it was the winning goal was a play where Elvis Merzlikens literally got whacked in the throat right before the game. Now, what everyone was talking about, including the media afterwards, to John Tortorella, who really didn't have a good answer, was why in the world he didn't challenge for goalie interference. Anyways, I think all of that sort of just built up and, um, you know, the losing, the horrible season they've had, the mood around Columbus right now. And um, as Justin said, we got some gold from a very frustrated goalie last night in Elvis in Columbus. Um, here it is. I'm tired. Like, I'm tired of uh, of losing the game. I, I know we are trying, but uh, this is getting embarrassing. Like, uh, it's, it's just, it, it is what it is. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, uh, it's painful. I mean, uh, sitting in that locker room, and trust me, we are trying. Like, we seriously are trying. We didn't give up, but uh, it, it's it's just really so bad year, I think, that, I mean, I just want to finish it and delete this year and not think about it. What a lie. Finish the year, delete it, and not think about it. And to be honest, I love stuff like that because it's honest, it's real, and you'd have to think, Remus, that pretty much every member of the Columbus Blue Jackets, including a couple former Winnipeg Jets that have a lot of fans here in the peg, are feeling the exact same way. Hell, Tortorella is probably feeling that same way. It just seems like it's um, worse and worse there. Like, how bad can it get? And then he's like, we're have a, you know, he's like, we are on a seven-game losing streak. We're on our way to becoming uh, Buffalo. Um, that's when you know it's uh, really bad. And we're all, we've been speculating that John Torrell not going to be brought back as head coach there. How but, can uh, they? That's got, I mean, I'm amazed that they didn't do it already just to maybe, it, but it just, just so like, you didn't have stuff like that from Elvis after the game. But, um, I guess they're just going to run out the string with them. Yeah. Just seemed, it would be nice to be able to, um, delete a uh, memory like that and just put it away and not think about it. And he was saying how the losing's affecting him too. Like just, he said he can't sleep. I mean, it's got to be tough coming to work knowing you're just going to get pumped every time. And there's nothing really you can do. He said we're trying. Like, you just feel helpless. And they had a good year last year. I mean, they had they made the playoffs, beat the Leafs. And now you're in into this. So I don't know what you do next. They do they they were the big winners of the deadline to me, getting the two first-round picks for David Savard and Nick Foligno. Um, I mean, those are, are nice players, but... It just says, you know, what was available at the trade market. So we all want Columbus to succeed, especially if you're here having, you know, and you're still a fan of Patrick Laine. But we're definitely, I think we're going to be watching them from afar. 
Hey, shout out to BA, uh, but split just dropped a fin in the uh, super chat. Remo, buy yourself a beer. Yeah. Don't be so hard on yourself. You are the man. But split is right. I'm, you are. I'm trying guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, all right. Now I think it was wrench doozer that was asking about the, uh, the, we were having a little fun about the, uh, the perceived feud between Blake Wheeler and Paul Friesen of the Winnipeg Sun. So, well, why don't we get the clip up? This was, <laughs> this, this was the way things started last night. Blake Wheeler returns, of course, and I guess Paul was, uh, Paul was on the call. <laughs> I had to laugh when, uh, <laughs> when this was the what way it your... started. Okay, one second. Let me, let me just pull this up here. I got sure, this. sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get that up. Now, um, I will say this, as disappointing as the, uh, as the game was last night, um, the post game was pretty entertaining. Although I would have much rather had just a boring, uh, we won post game than what happened. But, uh, anyways, this was, uh, this was the captain <laughs> and his close personal friend, Paul Friesen, after the game. What did you see in your team's start? Or was it just a tough start for Connor? I need to make note of this. Paul, I only talk to you after games like this. It seems that way. No, it is that way. Just, I thought that'd be, Good to point that out. Um, so yeah, so it was like you know, it's uh, it seems like this is the times we <laughs> we're going to talk, and then Friesen sort of goes, yeah, it does seem that way, and then it is that way, and you know what? Like I said, Blake, um, you know, hey, he's uh, he's got a long memory, I guess, and I guess there's been some things that have been written about the team or him at times that he didn't like, and uh, but it just seems, and listen. He's a classy guy. I mean, he does the interviews and, you know, but sometimes he just needs to get a little bit out. And uh, it was obvious last night, Remo, from the captain and the coach that there was a lot of frustration about that game last night. But I think as we're hearing from uh, the practice today, as well as some of the uh, the comments from the Jets and the coach, that um, it's time to watch that one and get ready for another big challenge tomorrow night against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, they know it was a bad game. They know they're able to play better. Um, you look at the body of work this season. Uh, I mean, for the most part, I think I was saying a couple of weeks ago that, you know, the Jets fans got nothing to be upset about. It's going great. Now, you know, you lose two in a row on the verge of losing three in a row for the first time this season. You know, your Vezna Trophy goalie, uh, you know, lets in a couple of softies, um, gets pulled. I mean, this is, I don't want to say this is like the low point of the season, because really, like, how, how bad could it be when you got Elvis Merzlikin saying, I want to delete, <laughs> delete the season? <laughs> I want to delete the season. So, it's actually been, been pretty good. You got a bit of a bump here. Uh, I don't think, and I agree with what, I, what Libel said earlier this week on the show is like, there is nothing new that I can learn about this team. And I agree. The Jets are, are who we think they are. Uh, they have some great players. They have some issues on defense, and, uh, you know, they're going to look great at games, and then they're going to have games where, you know, they don't look as great, and you just hope that they get hot in the playoffs and can uh, and can play. Like, we've seen them play in the past against Toronto. I still think they can do that, uh, and I'm sure they'll be fired up on Saturday. There's a lot of people here in chat saying the Jets, uh, the record on Hockey Night in Canada on national games this year hasn't been the best i don't have like the the math on that if someone wants to add that up i'm kind of curious what it is versus regional games versus national um if anyone has those numbers that that would be that would be that would be interesting so well i don't know if that's just the perception i think that's been the perception house for a couple seasons though with the jets all right hey listen if you can remo um i just want to play again 
the Maurice clip from last night from the Jason Bell question because he was in incredible form last night. And from what I'm reading um, from Mike McIntyre, had a couple beauties as well today from the availability. But if you just popped in, we hit a few Maurice quotes from earlier today. But the one, the, the one that could very well become a clip on Winnipeg Sports Talk going forward, um, was his obvious frustration being expressed about a lack of anything, um, on the Galchenyuk elbow on Adam Lowry. Um, but, you know, he expressed how choked he was about that at the beginning. But then a little later on, Jason Bell of the Free Press asked him about, you know, being a coach, you know, but the, the, the line between wanting a response, um, but also wanting to, you know, chase the game and try and get back into a close game. This is Jason Bell with Maurice last night. You wonder if, if some people will wonder, should there be a response when there's, when there's a perceived high hit? As a coach, do you, do you like the fact that maybe in a tight hockey game there wasn't, or is it, how do, how do you kind of balance the, uh, the approach there with your hockey team? If you circle a guy's name on the board, you get sued. <laughs> The combination of the line, the delivery, and then just that, <laughs> the, the nonplussed face at the end of it made that, the more I think about it, that might have been a top 10 Paul Maurice presser from, uh, from his time in Winnipeg. And as I said earlier, Remus, the bar has been set very, very high. I mean, in, in all seriousness, we are lucky um, when it comes to, to having Paul Maurice as this yeah. head coach because, I mean, he answers the questions, he lets you know how he feels, and every now and then you get some real legitimate emotion like we got last night from the coach, and I think fans are here for it. I sure as hell am. If you circle a guy's name on the board, you get sued. Yeah, I have that on a on a button right now. So that's a, that's a – I mean, the face at the end, he's not happy. And he's like, look, like – even if I did, if we, if we did go in the room and say, hey, this, you know, Galchenyuk just took out our newly signed, uh, you know, shutdown center, uh, I'm not going to tell you that we, you know, I'm sure they talked about, I'm sure they talked about, it, but yeah, he can't. I'm sure they, so, I'm sure they just like wink at each other and be like, hey, like, that wasn't cool that he did that. We got to do something about it. Yeah, well, listen, uh, the, the, the story certainly isn't over. At least the media was asking Coach Maurice about it today. And here's Mike, Mike McIntyre tweeting, NHL Jets coach Paul Maurice, when asked if he believes the Maple Leafs are a dirty team, this is money. I don't think so. The league has said they're not, so we'll abide by the league's rulings. But they are a poorer team. There's some fines. Probably looking at some part-time jobs now. <laughs> There. That's probably what he looked like while saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's exactly right. We got, uh, of course, as Mike mentioned, Zach Hyman got fined last week for hitting Neil Pionk in the face with the stick. Thornton got fined today for hitting Matthew Pearl in the head. There was Felino's hit from behind on Josh Morrissey. And then Adam Galchenyuk injuring Adam Lowry with the headshot right now. So I'll tell you what, I'm here for Paul Maurice being pissed off right now. And I think they've got a pretty good reason to be exactly that. And hopefully that will come out in the way the team attacks the Leafs right off the opening face-off tomorrow night in a big game downtown. The comments in chat, everyone says he looks like a pissed-off, pissed-off dad. <laughs> I'm sure, like, you could do, like, a nice meme. Uh, I'm sorry for people listening to podcast. Like, with this picture, you got, like, the white text on top and, like, something <laughs> on the bottom. I mean, 
<laughs> It'll be a WST of, original. It reminds me of like an office space like Lumberg. Yeah, I'm gonna have to ask you to, you know, give me <laughs> hand in those TPS reports. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man! It was a yeah. So I, uh, this has been the most entertaining. These press conferences uh, have been all year, other than maybe Patrick Line off the beginning of the year being, like, "Hey, I'm here, aren't I?" And uh, we yeah, all know that, how that ended. <laughs> you're right. Um, the Jets YouTube will have the uh, have all of this from today. We'll uh, have some fun with that, and of course, uh, looking forward to the game um, tomorrow. Speaking of which, tomorrow, um, I do believe I'm going to be jumping on the CGOB pregame show tomorrow, two hours before the game. So. Um, you'll certainly want to check that out. Um, Remo, I want to do a quick golf update for our friends at Breezy Bend Country Club. Course opened again yesterday. Everyone seemed to be quite pumped to get back out. It was beautiful. I don't know how many people are golfing today. Uh, but again, if you're thinking about uh, joining one of Winnipeg's premier private clubs, I've got a waiting list right now for next season. Find out more at breezybend.ca. Um, so it's the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. Henrik Stenson and Justin Rose tied with my guy Tony Finau, who's paired up with Cameron Champ. They're 11 under par. Ricky Rowensky and Peter Uline at 10, along with Victor Hovland and Chris Ventura, Spilly Horschel, Sam Burns, and Usti and Charles Schwartzel, the South African team. Today, they are playing alternate shot. Tomorrow, it'll be back to best ball and then alternate shot for the final round. Um, let's get to uh, Cool Bet lines for today. Oh, and by the way, speaking of lines and speaking of wagers, new edition of the Lock Shop comes up tonight. If you haven't already um, and you're listening to the podcast feed, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, search the Lock Shop. It's myself and my good friend Dustin Nielsen from TSN in Edmonton. Um, and we'll broadcast that live from Dusty's Twitter feed at Nielsen TSN 1260 tonight at 9 p.m. in Winnipeg with picks for tomorrow, NHL, Major League Baseball, and the weekly run into the wide world of wagering. And speaking of the wide world of wagering, Remus, before we get to these uh, numbers, Thursday night is the night that I usually, you know, try and find some of these more obscure wagers to make. Um, now, there are a few things that I can't really put on the program because the timing uh, doesn't work, but I can tell you I'm looking to go back-to-back on the disc golf tour after winning at 4-1 to with the Saki Bomb um, last week. Uh, we've got a couple picks for disc golf, and I did win my first KBO bet of the year wow. with the LG Twins last night. I think they played at about 4 in the morning, so it was always nice to look up, see a crooked number on the account. Yeah, that's because the LG Twins came in. So on the show, we're going to have an Oscar pick courtesy of maybe the brightest mind in cinema, the host of Cinephile, Adam Ver- uh, Adnan Verk, made a point of yesterday on the program in Calgary asking him for a couple picks. There's a lot of chalk, but I do have a good two-to-one pick for the Oscars, which will drop on the program a little later on. Uh, but yeah. as far as right now, let's take a look at tonight's games and tonight's lines at CoolBet.com. A big game with the Chicago Blackhawks taking on the Nashville Predators. Chicago, I mean, desperate to get a win if they can do it. Assuming this Calgary-Montreal game is still on, that's an interesting one. Uh, Flames, a very slight favorite, minus 111. Habs, minus 105. Nashville on the road, favorite against Chicago, minus 135. And a little later on, Minnesota, a big favorite at minus 185 against the LA Kings. Uh, I've also got Rangers Flyers tonight and Boston, a massive favorite over the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, after an off day, the Blue Jays are back 
in action today. Um, it, this is an interesting line, Remus. Um, Blue Jays plus 151 going up, up against the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, I mean, people still kind of slow to come around to just how good Steven Matz has been for the Jays in his first three starts. Sorry, he has been good, and uh, the Jays lineup has been good. Um, I don't know, Tampa, they got Tyler Glass now. I mean, he's he's no slouch himself. He's pretty good. So, uh, you know, you think Matz has been good. 3-0 and a 1.47 ERA. Glass now's uh, got a 0.73 ERA. So, um, we'll have to see. I think Glass nobody has a better track record. But uh, Matz, I mean, I, I know um, Mitch was uh, toting him before the season. Yes, uh, he was. De- he's definitely delivered, and if he's healthy, he's always been a solid pitcher. Oh, listen, speaking of the chat, the one thing that I meant to mention off the beginning of the program, but we'd be remiss if we did not mention, one Gregory Liverpool was in the chat yesterday, and I asked folks for their predictions for the game. And... Anyone that was here will remember that Gregory Dopp dropped a Winnipeg 9, Toronto 8 prediction in the chat, which we all said, Greg, you're nuts. Um, but Remus, Greg wasn't looking very nuts about five minutes into that game last night, was he? There was there were so many people commenting at our Twitter. Hey, who was the guy who said 9-8 nine, eight, <laughs> nine, eight in chat? Because it was looking pretty crazy early on. When it was like 3-2, then... So I was like, yeah, it's G Liverpool. <laughs> so shout out to Greg, uh, who said who said the 9A prediction. And I screenshot it on Twitter on Sports Talk WPG of the, the chat. And it's like he's posting it. And someone's like, let's be realistic here. And other person's <laughs> like, Greg, you're nuts. Greg swings for the fences with all of his all of his predictions and all of his takes, and for a little while it looked like Greg was the smartest guy in the room last night with that crazy first period and all of those goals. Um, hey, folks, if you're with us right now on YouTube, do us a favor. Hit that like button. I think you may just need to close the chat. Hit the thumbs up. You can get back in there. Definitely really helps us out. And, of course, if you can, spread the word about Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Let your friends know if they haven't already subscribed or downloaded. Get them to do that. We'd love to continue growing uh, growing the, the group. Um, and I got to tell you, um, this has been just an awesome week and really highlighted by Nikolai Ehlers. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier on, Today's just a great reason why we're having so much fun doing this. Being able to have a great broadcaster like Dennis Bayek join us from TSN, as well as having the Sportsnet guys come on as well from Justin Bourne. So it has been uh, it has been really really good. Um, before we go, Remus, what's up for the weekend? Uh, you back at the zoo or uh, or what's going on? Yeah, let me look at the forecast. I think we asked. I asked my son yesterday, oh, "Do you want to go to the zoo?" And he said he wanted to go walk around and see the polar bear. And uh, Tiger, he wanted to see. Now, when we get there, it's been a different story, but it is supposed to be, <laughs> it's supposed to be nice. So, last two times, we left with him, like, kicking and screaming, literally. So, uh, it's possible. It's definitely uh, it's definitely possible. All right, Kate, there's one more thing we need to discuss before we get out of here. And um, last night, folks, uh, I was finishing up some work getting ready for the lock shop, and I realized that, no, Remus, you need to stay on for this. Uh, I I realized that, you know what, Remus is probably streaming right now. And if you haven't already, if you're on Twitch, at MRemus, 
um, usually playing <laughs> NHL with a bunch. And, you know, some of the crew that are often on his streams are also here. Love to have. Um, oh, no. But but I knew that we both got this new baseball game, and I thought, you know what, maybe he's playing the baseball game. I'll just check that out. So I pop in, and all of a sudden I see what looks like one of these, you know, gun games, first-person shooter. There's, yeah. like, zombies and strippers, and I, it was it was pretty wild. And I'm looking at it, and there's all these letters on, on the screen. And then after a little bit, just kind of trying to figure out what game it was, I realized that in the bottom left corner, there's a camera on a keyboard. Oh, and God. I'm like, oh, wow, this wasn't even a joystick game. He's actually doing one of the keyboard. And then I looked a little closer and realized that this is a typing video game that basically is combining some sort of zombie shooter with typing. And what people maybe do not know is that Michael Remus is, in fact, a typing savant. And... I have to tell you, that was a bizarre game. You can let us know what the game was. But um, I can't believe uh, that you've kind of found the intersection yeah. of your typing skills and a video game into what we saw last night on the stream. I was I just sat there with my jaw wide open, not <laughs> believing what I was watching. I can't believe you bring this up. Uh, the game's called uh, ty- <laughs> Typing. I can't believe you bring this up. This has already been a rough day. Uh, it's called <laughs> Typing of the Dead. So, yeah, it's a zombie game, but instead of shooting them with a gun... The zombies hold up like phrases that you got to type before they come and uh, come and get you, and I can type pretty quick. So, <laughs> figure let's. How let's did try you become this. such a good typer? I, I mean, because it was you were on the on the max difficulty and were uh, were absolutely destroying everything. Yeah, I'm I'm really fast, so I don't. I just learned at a young age. You know, some people learn how to play like an instrument, like guitar, and uh, I learned the keyboard, the computer <laughs> keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to like typeracer.com or something, I do that for fun. Pretty, pretty quick, but maybe not. There's always someone better than you, as good as you think you are. So. Yes. Okay. But Split was in there. The Georgia, was it the Georgasm? Yeah. Or Georgasm? So that was, I, you did get one at one point in that game. I learned, yeah, Mavis Beacon. This is like Mavis, the like 18 plus Mavis Beacon teaches typing, Mike K. This was uh, the craziest game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so. it's not one to uh, roll up for your twelve-year-old no, to teach was, them how to type. I, that's, I, that's not what we're suggesting. Here, I couldn't folks. believe how explicit this game was. I just I remember playing it uh, years ago, but I was like, yeah, I got this new computer. I'll try it out. But actually, I want to bring something up. Us, I know you like opening cards. I do open uh, cards, so I got a pack from Dollarama just like for fun. You know, the checkout they got they got these packs. I pulled out this uh, beauty. It's a uh, Mister Rogers card <laughs> from. <laughs> It's a Mr. Rogers card from um, ProSet9192. He's the celebrity captain of the Pittsburgh Penguins. This is one of the weirder cards I've ever pulled. So I'm thinking about getting this thing graded. It's going to be in a top loader. Uh, I'm putting that one in the in the vault. No one's getting hands on that. Oh, okay. You know what? Speaking of cards, um, can you go to your DMs, Reem, and grab that picture I sent you of the card I got in Dusty's Break? People will people I'll will like right to, people will like to see that. So last night Nielsen, uh, who I'll be doing the lock shop with later on, he's a huge hockey guy. Basically, the the leader of the crack pack, always cracking packs. So he hooked up with these guys called the Break Kings, who are doing hockey card breaks. There was one for it was like nineteen twenty upper deck clear cut, really high end cards. It was fifteen k uh, boxes, and each box just has one card. They're all autographed or, you know, they're special. 
So I'm like, you know what? I'll support them. I'll go in on that. I'll buy the Jets, who are one of the cheapest teams. So again, there's only 15 cards. You know, you've probably got about a 50-50 chance of hitting something. Whoever at Philly, I think, got like a three cards, like really, really nice ones. But I did, in fact, hit a Winnipeg Jet card last night. And, uh, and it is a beauty. Remus, can you, uh, can you pull it up? There it is, folks. The, the signed, autographed Sammy Niku, 48 out of 83, upper deck canvas, beautiful shot of him walking down the hallway beside the rise together. I'm not sure whether Sammy has much of a future here in Winnipeg, but Remus, through the beauty of a hockey card break, I have a one-of-a-kind memento of Sammy's time here in Winnipeg, which, to be honest, had a lot of walking around in a suit, um, which might be why he's in a suit on the hockey cart that I got last night. Yeah, you said one of a kind. That's actually 48 of 93. That's true. Uh, but yeah, that is actually it's one of 83, not he, one of a kind, one of 83, which is his jersey number, of course. Yeah, actually, or I think was. He's, he's wearing number eight, or he's, he signed at number eight because he switched to number eight. Oh, your your microphone came unplugged in. Uh-oh. Anyways, yeah, it is kind of funny. Sammy Niku has had a lot of trouble getting to the lineup. So it is it is ironic, or or not, that his card would be of him not in uniform and in a suit. Uh-oh. Hustler's uh, USB cord. I never did anything. That's not on me. Can you hear me? Yeah, just uh, change your audio source so it's uh, yeah. your, your headphones. I... <laughs> But yeah, well, that is uh, quite uh, quite the pull, Huss. So there you go. Any Sammy Niku fans, eat your heart out. I've got a signed Sammy from uh, from the. You're gonna get that thing night. graded. I said, um, Dan. <laughs> Dan said in the chat he's sending in some cards soon to get graded. So uh, make sure you get that thing graded like number ten. Oh, the uh, the Earl of Eli. Shout out to the Earl. He's one of our go to guys for information on the card business. We'll do something on cards. The, the business is blowing up right now, so we'll certainly do that. And obviously, there's a yeah. lot of great local card shops to uh, to support. Or if you want to get into some of these breaks, it's a lot of fun too to uh, you know put a little bit of cash in and uh, see if you get lucky with the big hit. We yeah, uh, and we did have some. Um... Some here, Sandy's popping in late. She says, "I missed the start of the show. What's up with Lowry? Any news? We don't. Have, they had no news on Lowry. Correct? They did. The biggest news was Hellbuck saying he didn't think he should have got should have got pulled. I think that was the most entertaining thing. And they'll be ready for tomorrow. And we'll wait and see. I would think Harkins to get to some real Jets. I think Harkins would just step in for Lowry. I think it kind of messed them up. Um, you know, not having Lowry really screwed up the lines. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, the one thing I'll say, I mean, Andrew Cop. Um, and if you've heard my commentary on OB today, it's all about Cop. And we talked about it with Dennis a little bit earlier. But I mean, he scores last night his fifteenth of the year. Patrick Line has twelve, just to put that into perspective. Andrew Cop now has thirty-six points in forty-six games. And let's not forget, he's the Jets' go-to guy on the penalty kill. He's a bit of big contributor on that second power play unit. He's usually in a shutdown role against the top competition, and he's having a career year. And I'll tell you what, dude, timing is everything, and Andrew Kopp's timing is perfect because he has proven just how important and versatile he is to the Winnipeg Jets, and you'd have to think he will be a major priority to get signed as soon as this season is done, regardless of how it ends. Yeah, and I'll never forget, uh, he came on uh, 1290 after he signed that deal, and he went to arbitration, and he was yes. not he was not no. happy. He was 
and I full credit to Andrew Kopp. He's a guy. Him, he's a guy who's always spoken his mind. Uh, intelligent guy. He talked about going back to school. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to work out. He's probably, I don't know if he's like laughing all, all the way to the bank. I mean, but he's having an awesome season. He's going to get the contract he thinks he deserves. And so he's probably, he's probably, you know, probably happy the way it worked out maybe, or I don't know. And so good for him. He said, they were asking him actually during the broadcast, you know, what's going on? He's like, yeah, you know, it's just a progression. I've keep working hard and, you know, good stuff has happened. I always thought I was a, a good player and he's really getting a lot of opportunity this year too. Yeah, Frischie 101, cop needs signing ASAP. Uh, that'll happen again. He is a restricted free agent, but this is it. Um, he won't be after this, so we're looking for the extension. And Tristan Rivers' music, yes. I thought the big news of the day was Maurice's legal advice. Yeah, exactly. You circle well, a guy's even... name on the board, you get sued. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Don't circle anybody's name on the board. Don't talk about it publicly. Um, they'll figure it out going forward. Uh, man, what a great week on the program. Gonna give a shout out to our friends out at Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge too. If you are looking for a little bit of a getaway coming up over the next few months, usually they're packed with Americans. That's not happening right now in June. So, um, what's normally the most popular month of the year to get up to Aikens, there is some availability. Find out more, AikensLake.com or uh, hit up Pit to Rent on Twitter at Aikens Lake. Um, well, Remo, a great week. I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow night. And to be honest, I am just happy I ended up making it throughout the entire show without any sort of a disaster with my Vax high I got oh. after uh, getting the shot this morning. Congrats. Are you going to show off your Band-Aid or are you posting you know, it on IG? You know what I did? Like, does does the shot count if I don't actually put it on Twitter or Instagram? Like, does it still work? Or is that let... one of the things you have to do that to make it effective? You need to actually put it on social media. Yeah, you got to get those those <laughs> likes. But I think you're here uh, on the podcast and YouTube telling people you got it. So if you are eligible, obviously, uh, don't walk, run to uh, you know your computer to book an appointment. If you can figure out where near you has apparently that's uh that's tough i haven't had a chance to look because i'm not eligible yet but once i, I, I am, went you yeah. know what i'll just say this for people i mean if you were in you know when 40 plus was able to do it i just saw a link on twitter i checked the map um i'll give a shout out to the stafford pharmacy uh which is on stafford right across from sev and slices pizza i did not even know there was a pharmacy there uh, but it was on the map. I called. They gave me an appointment. I went in there today. It was easy. There wasn't a ton of people around there. Gave me the shot. Had to hang up for 15 minutes. I'm out of there. Feeling good. So uh, anyways, hopefully that works out for everybody else. It's good for you. It's good for everyone. And it will help us get back to games soon or sooner as opposed to uh, to later. All right. Thanks so much to Dennis Bayak. Thanks so much to Justin Bourne. Folks, if you're in right now, before you leave, do us a favor and hit that like button. Don't forget to tell your friends about Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily and get them to subscribe. Enjoy the game tomorrow. And as always, big thanks to our sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nicky DQs, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Cool Bet, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. And of course, next week, Assiniboia Downs on board. We're one week away from the Kentucky Derby. We'll look forward to talking about that. Remo, great week. Thanks for everything, and uh, have a good one. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for putting up with me. Yes, uh, that, was, that was a fun one. It was a great week. Uh, we had some great guests, Ehlers, uh, Jefferson. Someone mentioned uh, they like Dave McCarthy the best. With the, They called it a cane. It's actually a, a staff. So uh, we've had a lot of fun. Uh, great stuff. Hey, bye, folks, have a great weekend. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you Monday afternoon right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And uh, check out the lock shop tonight. Have a great weekend. Oh, my God. Oh! Oh!
Shut it down! Let's go home! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 